Hello and welcome to the Wabi Sabi series podcast, unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, a corporate exec turned author who has recently written a series of books about topics we don't often talk about. Things like death, grief, not having kids, and the unexplained power doctors often wield over us. Apparently, some of my books have made some people feel a little uncomfortable, but I felt that I wanted to have far more conversations around weird, wonderful, and sometimes taboo topics. So I reached out to some interesting people and asked them just one question. If there is one topic that you'd love society to talk more about, what would it be and why? And what they've shared with me has been amazing. So let's dive in and see where the conversation takes us. I worked and partnered with top 10 performing brands around the world. They were sending me messages going, wow, what you created for our brand was incredible, but what you're doing for yourself and other women is extraordinary. And it gave me the confidence to step forward. Whilst leading a successful brand comms agency, Tour Star, for nearly 20 years, Tori Archbold had a pivotal moment. She'd had a near-death experience and found herself standing in a courtroom representing herself after 10 years of being aggressively stalked by an ex. After winning the case, she knew her life would never be the same again. She wanted a life with more purpose. It was time to reshape her story. After 20 years of being behind the scenes as one of Australia's most powerful publicists, working with top name brands and celebrities like Drew Barrymore, Megan Gale, Zara, Nespresso and Victoria's Secret, Tori felt it was time to step forward and own her own story. She used this momentum and founded Powerful Steps in 2019, a platform designed to inspire, encourage and guide women through the different challenges of life. Tori is a gorgeous human and is passionate about sharing her learnings and knowledge to mentor and empower others. As someone who has taken a few years to truly own my own story and step into the power of that, I was super excited to talk to Tori and to pick her brains a little. I can't wait to dive in. Tori, welcome to the Wabi Sabi Series podcast. It's going to be so much fun and I feel like we've had a few sliding door moments in our life and I cannot wait to dig deep with you. Awesome. All right, let's get stuck into it. If there is one topic that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? Own your story because when you own your story, you own your power. And it wasn't something that I truly discovered until my 40s. And honestly, I have not looked back. And often it's so uncomfortable to go through the different stages of your life, you know, because it shapes you, the good, the bad and the ugly. But honestly, once you have that transformational breakthrough, it's like, boom, game on, let's do this. Oh, I bloody love that. That so resonates with me. And I think you're right. I think as we get older, you know, like in your 20s, you're like, I don't want to get old. And these older women in their 40s. And now we're here. I'm like, it is the best time of life. I'm having a ball. Don't know about you. And I know things are changing and your body's getting a bit different, but I'm loving myself more now than I ever did. I don't know about you. Oh, totally. And I've got to let you in on a little secret. I mean, traditionally, everyone says when you leave school, you meet the man, you get married, you know, you have babies, you have this amazing career, you travel the world and it's like, boom, boom, boom. I think I did it all backwards because in my 40s, I got married for the first time. So let's get into that. Why is it that you feel you need to own your story? I think is that sort of first part. And then the second part is how did you step into that? Like to step into the light of owning your story? 
I think when you own your story, you understand what your superpower is and you also understand the patterns of what life's curveballs have given you. And in life as well, you have so many sliding door moments where, you know, do I walk through this door or do I walk through that door? And for me, my life, I realized was very much based on success and survival. And so when I launched Powerful Steps, because I'd understood the power of my story, because I was no longer afraid of people judging me, the first thing I did was set up a program so that other women and men could understand theirs. Because I understood when you took control of of the decisions that you had made in this lifetime, you were able to propel forward not only as a businesswoman, but as a mother, as a life partner to someone else a lot faster, but more in alignment with your destiny, right? Because you're stepping into, you know, your sole purpose, like why are we here on earth? Like, you know, how can we shine a light for others? And so many of us, like you, Michelle, we've had these incredibly successful global careers, but we don't actually stop and just pull the handbrake up and say, how do we get there? And when you actually take the time out to understand that we all have a five-point story, that's the story that shaped us. That's the story that translates us into the powerhouses that we are today. And so for anyone listening there, I've got this great exercise I take people through on our business attraction program because so many people go, how can I become successful in business? How can I attract what I deserve? And I say, before you even build a brand, you've got to understand your own brand. And that own brand comes from this. It's like, number one, where were you born? What was your family environment like when you grew up? Like, what were your teenage years like? What set your heart on fire? What was the struggle? So for me at school, I was a you know pretty average student. I surprised myself and everyone around me with my HSC result. It was like, where the fuck did that come from? And suddenly I learned that when everyone else around me believed that I was this kind of, you know, talker in class, um, non-compliant person who was, a, you know, a C or D student, then kind of propelled forward and got this remarkable mark. It was like, they didn't believe in the power of me. And at the end of the day, when I look at those school reports and I look at the patterns and I go, you know what? ended up building a global business. (laughs) I was a communicator. I was a leader. I was a disruptor. So all of those factors in those early years, Mm. yeah, were like, that's negative, but actually that's positive because look what I did, right? And then the second part of your journey is like you step out of that kind of family environment and into, well, what do I want to become? right? And crazily enough, you know, I studied interior design for a couple of semesters at UTS, but I just was not into it. And I was placed into that box because my family was like, if you marry a nice boy, you can go to all the right social clubs and, oh my gosh, you can design a beautiful house. Well, no. So I signed up for the working holiday visa. I got a rock star job in um, London. I worked for this amazing woman, Anna, actually, for a three-month stint because you could only do it three months at a time in an advertising agency um, over there. And she was kick-ass and she taught me, you know what, you can become whoever you want to become. You just got to put the work in, listen, learn, grow, evolve, tick that box. I then got a job at Viacom, which at that point was the biggest media entertainment company in the world. And I was working across like MTV, Nickelodeon, Showtime networks. 
And I was exposed to fast media conversations, I guess clickbait, which we didn't call it in those years, but it was all about the story, the power of the brand, the audience, the customer, the journey, the experience. And my eyes were just wide open. And then the next role that I took on was actually in a licensing company, which was incredible because I got to work on Godzilla, the trilogy of Star Wars with George Lucas. And what I learned through that period was contract negotiation and licensing rights actually matter. So again, it's all about your brand, your name. And so I came back to Australia and I was like, where to now? And I went into a couple of roles and people just wanted to pigeonhole me. And I honestly, I was bored freaking shitless because when you work for those dynamic media companies in the UK and you come back to Australia and the magazines that you're reading are like two years old in content and, you know, people don't understand about, you know, how to storytell, how to lead, how to be disruptive, which was exactly what MTV was in those years. I mean, it was a time of the Spice Girls, you know, Howard Stern. It was it was pretty fucking cool, if I'm honest with you. And I just said to myself, if no one else can do this, maybe I can. And so I quit my job. Um, I started Torstar. I had absolutely no media connections, no money in the bank. But what I did have was self-belief because I knew in part one of my story that if no one else believed I could do it, I could do it. And so what I did was, you know, going into part three of that brand story was I set it up for success by anchoring myself to my values. And I said to myself, if I can anchor a business, I will attract the world's top performing brands, celebrities and influencers. Not only that, I can travel the world. I can work with incredible people just like I had experienced in London, but perhaps I can do that and be a shining light or a shining star because it was Torstar from Australia. And so those values were passion because I was passionate about making that dream reality. But I was also wanting to work with, you know, passionate global innovators and thinkers, which is what I'd experienced in London. The second one was integrity, because let's face it, no one wants to work with assholes. And the third one was delivery, because delivery for me was, if I had no media connections, if I had no money, but I had big dreams, I was only as good as that last conversation, that last fax in those days, then it became email, then it became, you know, project delivery. And so part three of my story was believing in myself, building a global brand. At the peak, it had 22 staff. I had 10 freelancers in addition to that. I had partnerships with all the world's top brand comms agencies in, you know, New York, London, Hong Kong, Singapore. And when I needed it too, we leveraged into Europe. At one point in time, I had two personal assistants. And I guess a lot of people go, wow, that's success. But it was also survival, right? Because behind the scenes, I left um, my daughter's uh, father when she was nine months old, because I was like, this relationship is not aligned with my values. So I had to make a very powerful decision. And that decision was based on, I could be one of those women in the Eastern suburbs that puts up 
with all of the things that were going on. And I was like, you know what? My first powerful move is going to be to leave this relationship. And what I didn't realize was that it would just unravel 12 years of hell. So when I was building my empire, aka Torstar, I'd be getting up to 100 text messages, phone calls, abusive threats per day. Now, when you're trying to build a team, but also be a mom to a child who needs you at that very young age, and you are the sole financial provider, the person that they look up to, the person that's going to shape their world because you're in it more than that other person. It's incredibly difficult. And when I look back at that time in my life, I honestly, hand on my heart, don't know how I did it because I would walk into meetings and people would have no idea what was going on behind the scenes. So it was a facade, right? And so stage four of my story and this is the power of the story and this is why I'm sharing it with your audience was the universe always throws you a fuck you moment wake up smell the roses do you want to continue life like this and in 2013 I was due on a flight to London and I'd always only go for 72 hours at a time because my daughter was at school she needed me I was running a team and as you know when you run a team you need to be present you need to lead you need to be in the business making it happen my appendix burst I got septicemia I spent five days on life support I lost eight kilos in five days and I almost died and I came out of that and the surgeon gave me a six-month recovery which in actual fact translated into three to four years of understanding what it was that my body needed me to feed it to operate again and so I would have major clients come out from London or New York or you know Hong Kong Paris wherever and I'd be pitching for business I'd have a hair and makeup artist come to my house in the morning I'd get in my car I'd drive I'd do the meeting I'd fall asleep in the car after the meeting I'd have to have a rest come home and do it again and we won major global business through that period did anyone ask me how I was or what was going on no did I tell anyone no (laughs) and I just I got to the point where you know I was still being harassed and threatened by my ex and I remember just sitting in the surgeon's office one day because I'd been on 12 rounds of antibiotics and nothing was working I was like just give me the answer and he said the answer is For you, a happy heart is a magnet for miracles. And unless you start putting yourself first and other people second, you will never recover. And you're going to have a very short life. And he gave me very confronting news on so many different levels. And, you know, for me, I'd always put my daughter first. I put my business first. And, um, you know, those two were my priorities because that was the umbrella that was holding my life together. And it was really hard because... Putting my daughter second and myself first was probably one of the toughest moves I've made in my life, but it was also the best move because what I started understanding was when I became happier, she became happier. When I started stripping people out of our life that were takers and not givers and there was no mutual energy exchange, we created space for the goodness to come into our life. And so by the time, you know, 2015, 16 rolled in, I was still in court eight to nine times a year. And I remember sitting in court with my lawyer and he looked at me and he said, this man is just never going to give up. And he goes, what it's going to take is just money. And I looked at him and I was like, I'm half a million dollars in on spending. 
I could own another house. I could, you know, I could be doing all these other things, investing with my daughter. And I just looked at him and I was like, no. So I remember saying something to um, my best friend at the time. And she said, if you can launch all these powerful brands in Australia, you can man up and you can win full custody and a restraining order on your own. And so I decided to scale that my business. I said no to the money, no to selling my business and yes to my life. And what happened after that was I'd go in and I'd self-represent and people would come up and they'd be like, can you represent me? And I said, you know your story better than anyone. I'm standing here because I've taken ownership of my story. I know it better than the lawyers. I know it better than the legal system. And as a woman, we're just numbers in a game of Russian roulette. And so 2017, I had that breakthrough moment where I won full custody. I won the restraining order. I did it on my own. Now that's a powerful move. And everyone's like, what are you going to do to celebrate? Guess what I did? I cried. (laughs) I cried like I have never cried before. I just, because I'd held it all in. And so I couldn't date for 12 years. I couldn't hold down a relationship because those people would be, you know, involved in that toxicity of what he was throwing our way. And I didn't, I didn't want to have that life for my daughter or a man that was going to be by my side. I needed to clean up that shit and move on. And so after I had, you know, that kind of breakdown, the breakthrough came because I said to my daughter, right, it's 2017. We're about to go into a new year. We are breaking generations of patterns here. What kind of a family do we want? And for me, what kind of a man do I want by my side? And also, what do I want to do with my future? And we took off to Vegas for New Year's Eve. We saw Celine Dion. What happened was, and this leads into part five of my story, was I was ready for new beginnings because in life you get thrown lessons until you learn the lesson. And everyone always said to me, Tori, when do you get the breakthrough? And I keep saying, when you're at the 75% mark, that lesson is keep was going to keep slapping you on the face until you learn it. Because it's like, how can you move on? How can you transform unless you switch your thinking and step up into your A game? And so we had stripped out everything in our life, like family, friends, professional. I said goodbye to clients that weren't aligned with, you know, who I was, what I stood for, my intent, my purpose, my values, like everything. And we just had this freedom in my heart. Now, when the universe knows you're ready to receive, they deliver you the trifecta. I had all of these signs in my life and sliding door moments. So around this time, I secured three of the top brands in the US as clients. So Victoria's Secret, billion dollar brand. At the time, it was the number one brand in the world. And yes, I got to go to that last show in New York, which was incredible it was amazing the second one was steve madden he's had his own game-changing moments but he's now got a billion dollar shoe brand and the third one was drew barrymore's flower beauty now three very different very powerful brands but each time i launched them into australia a piece of me was just going I'm ready for new beginnings i'm ready for new beginnings i'm ready for new beginnings show me the signs show me the signs and In that time, I also met my husband. My daughter had a transformational moment of her own. You know, my husband proposed to me within 10 months. We got married. 
within 18 months. We blended our family. But what the fifth part of my story truly told me was that when you believe in yourself and you strip out what you don't need and you bring in what you do want, anything in life is possible. And, and finally, I had a man by my side and I had this beautiful family unit that believed that I could do it. So that's how Powerful Steps was born. I said, I'm saying goodbye to Torstar, shut the doors, got everyone jobs. Whenever someone resigned, I was like, oh my gosh, amazing, because it was one less person that I had to worry about. And, um, you know, I started full-time in Powerful Steps 18 months ago and I haven't looked back. And it just, you know, the fifth part of my story is happy heart. Yes. And guess what? Yeah, Every day there. the miracles are coming. So the stage three and four is a happy heart is a magnet for miracles. I recommend everyone really think about how happy they truly are because when you're happy, nothing bothers you. If you have a topic burning inside you that you'd love to talk more about and have a conversation with me, I'd love to hear from you. So drop me a line at hello at wabisabiseries.com. Let's head back to the chat. One of the things I want to dig into around owning your story, and obviously you did that one standing in the courtroom, which was quite a defining moment, like just phenomenal. And then as you've progressed with this new business over the last 18 months through a really trying time as well. Like what a time to start a new business. I've done the same. Like, it's yeah. just, we need our heads read. Like what, what are we thinking? Some people go, oh, you see the opportunities. I'm like, I should just be chilling out on the couch like everyone else is in lockdown. But no, we do multiple businesses. How did you step away from behind the scenes? Because someone who's run a comms company and PR firms and putting other brands forward, you're obviously very, very good at that. But then to put yourself forward, like that's a whole different thing. So how, how have you done that? Have you got particular techniques to sort of, you know, almost like talk to yourself to say, hey, this is how you need to do it and like pretend that you're, a, you're your own client or, or how do you do it? Well, number one, I don't see myself as the lead magnet. I see myself as a brand. You know, at one point with Torstar, I had 60 little black dresses. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I just wanted to blend in behind the scenes. And I remember that last event I did with Drew Barrymore and we created this incredible experience to launch Flower Beauty into Australia. And again, there I am in the little black dress. I was the one that blended in. I've worked with so many incredible celebrities and influencers in my career. I never, ever took a photo because I was never the star. They, my client was a star, always. I was creating and building their brands. And my daughter, ironically, had never wanted to come to any of these launches. And she said, I want to come to the Drew Barrymore launch, mom. So off she came and she goes, oh, I really want a photo because she was, you know, a teenager at that, those times. So she's doing the photo with Drew and obviously, you know, I was helping manage um, the media and all the communications around that. And I remember Drew saying, come into the photo. I was like, God, I've got hardly any makeup on my face. I don't want to have a photo. This is breaking my one golden rule in business. Yeah, because I'm behind the scenes. I'm not in front of the scenes. And she's like, no, come on. Soon as the photographer took that photo, I was like, I'm done. This is my moment. I knew I was going to be birthing a new business because I was like, I am just going to blossom. And Marie Claire had written this three-page story on my business journey and my personal journey with my daughter. It was success and survival. And it came out, I think, about a week after Drew left the country. And 
I thought, oh my God, all these clients around the world are going to judge me, but they've got no fucking idea what actually happened, right? I was so nervous and it took Bella and I and my husband four months to make the decision whether or not we'd share the privacy of, you know, what had actually gone on. But I was like, this is going to shine a light for others. I knew my gut instinct was it was going to transform lives. It was going to transform thinking. And also I was like, I'm done with the judgment. Just accept me for who I am. This is my story. This is my power. And this will become a powerful business. And I learned through that because these CEOs and board directors of, you know, I worked and partnered with top 10 performing brands around the world. You name it, I've literally worked with it. They were sending me messages going, wow, what you created for our brand was incredible, but what you're doing for yourself and other women is extraordinary. And it gave me the confidence to step forward. So in answer to your question, I then had to say to myself, okay, this is going to be a business. This is going to be powerful. How do I benchmark it? Now, like you, Michelle, I've had the opportunity to work with incredible people and brands, right? We understand marketing. We understand comms. We understand, you know, corporate visibility. I had to say, well, again, what is this business going to be anchored on? And what is my brand going to look like? Now, One of the best brand experiences in my career was launching Zara into Australia. Without doubt, and it's been written about in so many case studies in marketing around the world, it was the most successful retail launch in Australian brand history. Now that, even though my agency was responsible for that, that was not me, that was a team. That was a combination of Interdex and Torstar. And we worked well together and we anchored ourselves. And what I loved about that whole experience, you know, obviously we had 22,000 people through the doors. It, you know, we shut down the CBD. We did a million dollars in sales. But what I loved about it when, you know, we were doing all the media interviews and everyone had run through the doors was that the two I see, a man called Jesus Ekevira, who was at that point in time known as the most powerful man in communications around the world. I said, oh, can you please do this interview for CNBC and CNN? They want to broadcast it in America. This is amazing. And he looked at me and he said, Tori, we're not here to do media. We're here to serve the customer. And I loved that so much. And I just said to him, you know what, you're right. And he was behind the scenes with the cashiers putting product in people's bags. And I loved the fact that he was so humble, but so focused on the customer experience. And that moment was so powerful and pivotal to me that when I launched Powerful Steps, so many people, and you know this through brand exercises with your clients as well, who do you benchmark yourself against? And I said, I'm benchmarking myself against Zara because it's customer driven, it's agile, they're creative, they're always first to market. It's all about anchoring yourself to what's important, right? So when you anchor yourself to the the power of a brand and you don't see yourself as a celebrity or, you know, someone that's going to be in the media, I get asked to do interviews all the time now. We're about to launch Powerful Steps into the US and the same thing's going to happen. And I go, this is not about Tori Archibald. This is about Powerful Steps. And it's about shining a light to show others that you may have challenges in life, but when you switch your thinking, they translate into possibilities. 
And so when you talk about the power of the brand, I can wear whatever color I want now. <laughs> and of course, sometimes I choose to wear black like I am today. But, you know, at the end of the day, the reason why I understand the power of my brand is because I understand the power of my story. Beautiful. What a wonderful way to come full circle. Tori, you've shared so many amazing insights with us today and um, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing that with my audience as well as with me. It's just been a delight and I look forward to seeing you in person. Hopefully you and I having a nice glass of champagne soon with uh, a few of those other mates that we know potentially. So thank you. We might be in lockdown right now, but that doesn't stop us connecting with others. And I'm just so grateful for the connection to you and for being able to share a small part of my story with your audience, because what you and I do, honestly, it's down to sharing experiences that can, you know, deliver global impact. And if we can do it, you can do it. And that's the power of anyone's story is understanding what your superpower is and shining a light for others. So thank you so much, Michelle. If you'd like to learn more about today's guest, you'll find all the show notes and interesting links on our website, wabisabiseries.com. If you'd like to hear more unexpected conversations, please subscribe to the series, follow us on our socials, or grab one of my books. And if you're in a generous mood, I'd love you to share the episode, or maybe even rate, review, and comment on the series. It really does make a difference. Until next time, be sure to claim your own piece of wabi-sabi and walk proud in your perfect imperfection.